0: We've been studying the book of Ephesians kind of line by line verse by verse, verse as the Lord leads us um, and we're in the book of Ephesians we're in chapter five today we're going if you want to got your Bibles you can open them up to Ephesians 5. If not I'll we'll read the scripture and you can listen so um, Ephesians five verse eight says this is where we kind of started last week. Um, we're talking about light we're talking about being children of light and to walk in light. But Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, I I talked about this last week, but I said, it doesn't say that we should walk in light. Not that we shouldn't, but we are light. You now are, but now you are light in the Lord. And, you know, this this whole sermon that I'm going to talk about today is... Really kind of a pick up a continuation of what we talked about last week it's because we are light, this is our response to having Christ in us. Remember if we remember the first three books we talked talked about this of Ephesians is all about Christ in us and what that means, what that looks like Christ in us, the hope of glory, all those things are they fall into that whole category of what it is to be in Christ and then Paul like I said breaks off in chapter 4 and he starts talking about since he is in you since we have the the, the Holy Spirit the, the God living inside of us Right, this is what it looks like here's a picture of what Christ in us looks like we're going to pick up it today in verse 14 and he says therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and Christ will give you light I thought that was interesting. You know, when we, when the light is in us and people see that light, or maybe I should say we participate in the light, it really demonstrates the resurrection of Christ. We were, we were once dead, we were once darkness. Now Christ comes in in us when we believe, when we receive Him as Lord and Savior right? It shows the power of the resurrection. You go from light to from darkness to light. Not the other way around like I was going to say. <laughs> so we're going to do a quick review. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Remember, we're, this is this exhortation we're talking about that we just read in Ephesians 14. It says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Here's a a little tidbit about being asleep. (laughs) I read this and it made me laugh, so I'm just going to prepare you. Most people, when they're asleep, they don't know it. How many of you go, consciously know, I'm sleeping I've never done that. I've woken up and went, Oh, I was asleep. Man, I was really asleep. I got a drool over here on this side. I better change my pillowcase. You know, we can, when we awake from the darkness, from the sleep, we realize that we were asleep. But when you're sleeping, you don't realize it. Which is really interesting. When you think about sleeping, God can talk to you when you're sleeping. You can have dreams, you can have thoughts, but you're not awake. As soon as you become aware of your sleep, it's evidence that you are now awake. Um, verse 15, Ephesians 5, verse 15, he, say, he goes on and says, And you see then that you walk circumspectively, not as fools, but as wise. You know, again, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that we understand the, the, the context of what he's talking about here. It's because of the light that's in us, right? This whole passage of Ephesians 5, it's because of the light that's in us. Because we have received that light. Because we have that light. It's because of what Christ did. It's This whole scripture is about because of the light that's in us. I think it's interesting that in verse 15 that Paul uses the word see. Um, I'm going to go back and we're going to talk about sleep. Um, that you, you know, when you're sleeping, you don't see very well. You can have a vision or dream, but most people don't see where they're, you know, if you're sleeping behind the wheel, you're not seeing where you're going. You also, if you're in complete darkness, I'm kind of going back to where I was talking about. Anybody ever been to a place where there's absolutely no light at all? It's totally, completely void of light. Can you see? You know, Paul, he says, see then that you walk circumspectively. We'll t- we'll talk about what that word because it's a big word. I had to sit and break it all down. <laughs> but if we're in complete darkness, we can't see. It's but because we're in the light now, we've been enlightened. If you want me to call it that, right? We have this revelation of Christ in us. Now we can see. And it. And Twofold fold to this, now that that light is in us, I think it's imperative that we let that light shine. Yeah. We take that bushel basket off, right? Because it exposes the darkness, right? It exposes the darkness in the world, but it also can expose some dark spots that are inside of us, right? I don't know about you, but I know there's some things in my heart and things in my mind that need to be brought to the light, Right? Every one of us has got something, right? I don't want to focus on that, but when you, when you focus on the light, it gets rid of the darkness. When we shine, it lets others see. Remember we, took, we talked a couple of weeks ago about taking the bushel basket off, right? Take the basket off so that everyone in the house has light, Right? Everyone else can now see when they see the light. I'm going to read that verse again. In Verse 15 it says, See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. I don't know why when I'm at home I can read that and it always comes out right, but I get up here and I cannot pronounce it. <laughs> Sorry. I have an issue with pronouncing words sometimes, but it's all good. Circumspectly, it's an ad- adverb. It means cautiously, with watchfulness every way or with attention to guard against surprise or danger you know i think paul's really kind of communicating something here about light he's talking about walk circumspectively right we need to be cautious right but how do you how can you be cautious of where you're going if everything you're doing is in darkness Right? when it's really dark and you're walking and you trip over that rug in the middle of the night trying to go to the restroom or whatever you're doing, you can't see. But once God has brought light into you, now you can see the path. And he's saying, you know, be cautious if you're dealing over here if you're talking about darkness, I really think he's saying this, he says, since you now have the light in you and you are light, you can actually see the dark parts of your life. I kind of talked about that already, but he tells us to walk cautiously and with watchfulness, especially pay attention to danger, right? There's some darkness over here. You know what? It's been illuminated by the light because we read that last week. There's some darkness over here. You can stay away from that because you know that you don't have to go there. You can, you can look and you can see that. No, I don't have to do that. But it's because of the light in us. I, I, I have to keep saying that. It's not because I'm good at seeing darkness. It's because of the light inside of me. He goes on to say, not as fools, but as wise. In the end of that verse, um, Paul's telling us that we need to be wise about this. Because we are light, we can be wise. Because the light of God's word in us, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read my note. (laughs) Because the light of God is in us, or his word is in us, we know what wisdom looks like, right? I can tell you a picture of what wisdom looks like, because the word says it. We can see, if I want to go there, what it is to be wise. James 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? And there's a big question mark after that. And he says, Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Right? That's a pretty powerful statement. I actually taught a Bible study on that this morning because it was so imp- impactful to me. I can't break into everything that we're going to go into that, but we'll get into a little bit of detail about this. When you look at what, what James is saying there, he says, our works our good works. Not just our works. Our good works show that we are wise and understanding. Right? I'm not a works preacher. I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's about works. But it's good works right? There's, there's a key here, right? Because James 1.17 says, every good gift and every per- perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, and, who, and there is no variation or shadow of turning, right? So the, I'm talking about good works being light, right? But it's his works mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. I'm a vessel, right? Yeah. It's his works, And then he goes in, in that verse 13 he says in the meekness of wisdom. I had to meditate on that for a long time to f- understand it. Really, God really highlighted to me what this m- meekness of wisdom. that uh, Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. We're talking about letting our light because there's light in us. Um, it, you know Sometimes you can define something by what it's not. Right? We, the word meekness, when you really break it down, it means humility. Right? I heard a preacher one time te- teach about humility, and he said the, the simplest way to define humility is, I have a need. When you admit you have a need, you are humble. Right? I have a need for Christ in my life. I have a need for fellowship with the body of Christ. I have a need in this area. That's humility. It's admitting that you don't have every answer or everything in your own power. That's the, the root of what humility is. So when we, when we talk about the meekness of wisdom, what it's not, it's not the pride of wisdom. It's not, hey, I'm smart. I know what's going on. I got this. right, I know what to do in this situation. That's not what they're talking about. The meekness of wisdom. Let's, finish, let's keep going in James. Because I think James has a really good idea. Of under, helping us develop what this meekness of wisdom is. Remember, we're talking again because there's light in us, we have this ability now. We have this power. I'm going to use the word. We have the Holy Spirit power, the power that raised Christ from the dead inside of us. We can walk in humility and wisdom, but we've got to make sure it's the right kind of wisdom. James chapter three verse fourteen says, "But if you have bitter, bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic." Right. So that's that prideful wisdom that I, I kind of talked about. Right. It's saying, you know what? Real wisdom, real wisdom from God, is not this. It's not earthly. It's not demonic. It doesn't have any bitter envy in it or self-seeking. But he goes on in verse 16. Whoops, I'm sorry. In verse 16 he says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. I want you to take notice of that. Not just some evil things are there, but every evil thing. Where there is envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion and everything, every evil thing are there. Verse 817 he says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Right? This is the, the wisdom from God which we we're addressing the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, right? The meekness of wisdom we're talking about. That meekness, that understanding is, we need that wisdom from the Lord, right? I can apply all kinds of knowledge in every different way. I've done it for a majority of my life. Um, trust me, I'm not, in, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I've, I have a great understanding. I have great knowledge base. But I'll tell you what, when I applied a lot of that knowledge in my life for years and years and years and years, it was not peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Right? But when I had when I've got the light inside of me, oh boy, that changed everything. I'm able to move in that other dimension and step into that wisdom of God. Right. And why is it I mean I I gotta go back up here and um, talk about why it's so important that we Understand that about this wisdom. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Um, actually, we'll get to it. I'm sorry. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Oh, uh, where did I go? I'm sorry. I lost my place. <laughs> Here, I got my verses mixed up. Sorry. Paul is saying, cautiously walk. Use the wisdom that's from above. Use the wisdom from the Father. Use His Word to learn how to walk circumspectly. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? And He'll guide you into all truth. You know, that that leading of the Holy Spirit is so important. We were talking about earlier today at um, To make sure we were talking about walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh right to be carnally minded walking in the flesh is death to be spiritually minded is life and peace right when we when we follow the world's wisdom the the way the world operates the way the world applies knowledge it's death but when we follow what god has said about wisdom. What he has to say, it's life and peace. I want to read verse 15 and 16 in a continuous statement because they really kind of are the same thing. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That w- The word redeeming, means to ransom, to procure deliverance from captivity. Capture, bondage, sin, distress, or liability to suffer by the payment of the equivalent. The word time, in this sense, we we think about what time of day it is, you know, or um, you can think of time... And Scripture talks about time in two things: the ex- expanse of time, like from a year's worth of time. But what they're really kind of talking about in this, um, in the, the Greek word that they use here, is this—it's just this, like this appointed time, this instant that you're in. Right? He, he, Paul is saying, you know what? We need to walk circumspectively. We need to be cautious what we're doing, not as, not as fools, but as wise. Why? So that we can redeem the time. I say we, I mean that the Lord Jesus is the one redeeming this time. He's the one that's pulling this together. Um, it really kind of, if you break this whole thing down, he really is kind of saying, you know what? When you let your light shine, when you, when you let me be the center It's going to deliver people and yourself from circumstances because that's what that little moment of time that he's in, right? The word redeem can mean to to deliver from bondage, right? And it also says by the payment or the equivalent, you know that payment's already been made when Jesus was nailed to that cross. All deliverance was taken care of. There, there should, I don't, there's still evil in the world, and I get that, but it's already been taken care of. Jesus did it all. Right? Sometimes it's just up to us to say, here's some Jesus. Vern, do you need some Jesus today? I'll bring you some. I got. A, nah, I don't have a cup full. i got a big bucket full. <laughs> Actually, when you think about, think about that for a second, that is even, not even close because how much of time and space does Jesus occupy? Everything. Everything. So I don't get to bring you a little cup of the Holy Spirit, a little cup of Jesus and say, here, take a sip. It's here, take a drink, right? And then the, the scripture says, and then you will never thirst again. You won't ever need that again. You've already taken that drink of me. You took that, you took that drink. You took that Jesus and you put him inside of you. You took the Holy Spirit. It's all, I'm, I'm using them kind of in conjunction because they really are. You put that inside of you. You're never going to thirst again. That's a promise, Right, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Living water. If you've never tasted the living water, come and talk to me. We'll make it happen if you want it. Never thirst again. That's his, and I can't say it enough. That's a promise. It's not a well, maybe, or only today and not tomorrow, or only. Only when you're in church on Sunday, no, it's never. I encourage you to take a drink of that water. I'm kind of getting to the meat of what I wanted to talk about today. In Ephesians five seventeen um, says, "Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is." You know, I've I've asked this question myself many times. God, what's your will? Is there anybody in here that's never asked that question? I'm just curious. I ask it. I say, God, what's your will? We're going to camp out here for a couple minutes because I think we can learn some stuff. Right? Remember, James told us to use wisdom. Use that wisdom that is from above. Use the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It will deliver us and others from the circumstances they're in because the days are evil. He's really saying, let your light shine. Right? Last week we talked about fruit, light and fruit, and we kind of made this comparison in Scripture where the fruit is a product of being attached to the vine. We're the branches, we're attached to that vine. The fruit is a product of that. Light's the same way. The only way you're going to be light is to stay attached to the vine, which is Christ. We talked about how to cultivate that fruit and we can help that grow, but really we don't make it grow. It's just being in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can assist it and we can do more to help it along, but God is the one that's providing that. I want to look at another part of how we can cultivate that light. And don't forget about, the, we're talking in this whole context about understanding what the will of God is. Because we'll answer that question as we go through here. Part of it, when we let our light shine, that's God's will. Amen. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Let your light shine before men. Yep. Right? It's all over in the Word. Part of that is letting your light shine. But I want to turn to Romans 12. You know, I think these two verses have probably been the most impactful for me in ministry Mm -hmm. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, There's just so much here. I can't do it justice today because we'd be here till 6 or 7. (laughs) But I actually preached like a 13-part series on this at one time. It was really kind of cool. God just kept showing me little bits and pieces of what this means, but in Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, by therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You want to know what God's will is? Let's just pause there for a second. But... What he's talking about here is we're cultivating. We're helping that fruit to increase. Helping the light shine. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see the connection there? Right? Everybody wants to know what the will of God for their life is. Everybody. Some of us know in more detail because we are, have been on this walk longer. Some of us, God just quickly showed us some of the things in our life. And he pointed us in this direction and said, go, and we followed him. Right? We all get that at different varying levels. This is not a condemnation or anything, if you don't understand. Um, but that we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We'll, we're going to get to that in a second. Romans twelve two says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing, I'm sorry, this is the ESV. The, here's how the ESV says it. I missed that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That's an interesting. What is good and acceptable and perfect. I typically don't cross translations, but I really believe that that is a better way to state it than the way it's written in the King James and New King James, which I've been reading out of, because the word um, "prove" means to test. <laughs> when you look it up in the Greek, it's to test. So we're going to go with it: prove, testing, discerning. Um, The word discern means to see or understand the difference, to make distinction as to discern between good and evil, truth and falsehood. So we can discern what is God's will and what is not. He said, "But, but how do we do that? By testing, by proving it. We can discern... What walking in light is and what it isn't. You want to know what God's will for your life is? I teach it, I've, I've taught this before many times, but I, I absolutely believe that there's a generic God's will and there's a specific God's will. And I'll explain that a little bit. Right? All men come to salvation. That's a generic will of God. That's his will for every person on the world, on the earth. But his will for me looks different. The specific will looks different than, God, than Burns' will. Right? Now we're all called to love. We're all called to do this. We're all, right? Everybody has that generic part. I, I hate. To, I don't even like the word generic because it doesn't sound right. But that blanket maybe is a better word. But we all have that same thing that God wants us to do, love. We can go on and on. I think you understand what I'm getting. But we also have that specific thing that God's talking about. That what's your purpose in life? What's your call? Vern, we know that your call is to go out there on the street and be a street evangelist. We all know that. Why? Because it's been tested in you, <laughs> you've proven it, right? God has been with you every, I'm picking on you, but God has been with you every step of the way through your ministry and led you down that path. And you just said, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Right? This is what they're talking about here in Romans 12. But we need to change the way we think about some of this stuff, right? If God wanted me to go to the moon, he might tell you that you need to go to the moon. But you know what you got to do? Is you got to start moving that way. You got to start going, what, is it, what does that look like? Right? I'm not trying to get into a works teaching here. Please don't, don't, don't because it's all powered by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We need to start taking those steps. We need to start moving in that direction. So we have that blanket will and specific will. Thank you for the, <laughs> I'll have to change my. Um, here's some of that blanket will. We just, we just read it in Romans 12. Here's some of that stuff that is encompassing to every one of us. You want to learn more about God's will? Keep in mind the rich mercy of God to you. You want to learn about it? You want to grow in it? You want to test it? Right? Keep in mind the rich mercy of God to you, past, present, and future. Right? We just read in Romans 12, by the mercies of God. This is how we prove his will. This is how we test it. Not that we're like, God's going to get an F if he gets it wrong not that kind of testing. It's, it's proving. It, it really is to test to prove. This was a thing I, I read. It says, as an act of intelligent worship, decide to yield your entire, entire self to him. Right. Let's go back to Romans 12 too. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? I'm not saying you need to go up on the mountain and jump off and say in Jesus' name I'm not going to die because the devil tried to tempt Jesus with that. But we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice. You can say, you know what, Lord? Where do you want me? How do you want me to function? What do you need me to do? We can lay our life down for other people. We can spend nights in prayer. There's things that we can do, but it's not under our own strength. It's because the light's in us. He says, resist conformity to the thoughts and actions of the world. Do not be conformed to this world. You know, the, if you start conforming to the world, you're going to miss God's call in your life. You're going to miss his will for you, man. I, I don't even I don't even know if I need to say it, but don't turn the TV on. <laughs> Unless you're watching the twins, then it's okay. <laughs> I might get, cut you some slack on the Vikings, but I don't know about that yet either, so... We need to re- we need to say no to the world. We read, don't be conformed to this world. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to focus on God's word and fellowship with Him, right? Transformed. This this the word transformed is really it's the word metamorphosis. It comes from the root word metamorphi, which is metamorphosis, like a butterfly. You take this ugly looking caterpillar and he goes and hides in this little cocoon for a little while. And we, he does all of this stuff in there and then he comes out in this beautiful butterfly. Right? That's, what, that's the word that they're using here, that transformation. It's when you get alone in your prayer closet with the Lord and you said, you know, I'm going to sit in here um, in your prayer, prayer closet. I have a prayer living room, you know, whatever. Your car, however you choose to, you know, I'm not saying you need to go hide in a closet and pray, which... <laughs> If that's what you do, that's okay too. Um, But when you spend that time, that intimate time with the Lord, and he's speaking to your heart, you're going to see natural growth, right? Not that it's instituted by you. The only thing that you are doing is sacrificing your time. That's it. He's the one that's changing you. We do those things that we can prove, that we can test, that we can show. Like I talked about with Vern, he tested, I I don't want to say he tested him in a bad way, but you've proven that that's what God has got for you. Right? Ephesians 5.17 says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to understand what his will is. Not just like know it, you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I know it right but he wants us to understand it does that make sense he wants us to understand to have a you know the, the word understanding a lot of times is translated as um, imagination andrew womack has got a really cool teaching about this but when you when you have an understanding of something you actually see it I don't know if anybody big daydreamers or have dreams or visions, and you like you have this like picture of what it is that God's trying to do, right? I know a lot of you guys. When let's just use this church of this building as an example. When we first got here, this area had five rooms in it, and you're like, "What are you guys going to do to this place?" It's like there's five rooms over here. This is over here. This is divided over here. I walked in the door. And I said, "Oh, cool! I have a picture of what this is supposed to look like. God gave that to me." And you know what? It's working. Because that's imagination. Uh, being able to take something that's not there and see it, right? But it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a gift from God. And everybody has it. Some people can do it in buildings. Some people can do it in art. I can't do that kind of artsy stuff. But technically, um, you have this understanding. He wants us to understand that. Not just have a general knowledge of it. And we do this by living out this next verse. Really, this is a key here. This is the, I mean, if I have anything to say about the rest of this message, this is the key to all of it. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dispensation, but be filled with this Holy Spirit. Right? The key to it, the key to it, and the reason that he writes this about the wine is because of the, what, they, what they accused the, the apostles on the day of Pentecost said, they're all drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. right?" Now I don't think we should be drunk on wine either, and it's totally true. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. This is the meat of walking about and proving God's will. Be filled with the Spirit. This is the crux of a Christian life. Being filled with the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is where everything stems from. You know, Jesus himself said, It's better that I go away at his death and resurrection. At his death, he says, It's going to be better for you if I leave this earth and go to heaven. Now, we understand the, the part of it the forgiveness of sin, those kind of things that he paid for on the cross. We, I get that part. But what he said, he says, then, because then when I leave be, and when I go to heaven, I'm going to send you somebody that's going to be as good as me. But he said, it's better that I go away. That's an interesting thought. Be filled with this Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 9, 12 says, but at um, why is it so interesting? I, I, I got to ask this question. Why is it so important that we be filled with the Spirit of God? What's the the purpose behind it? What's the we're we're talking about the will of God? What's God's will for our life? What's God's purpose for our life? Um, this verse in First Corinthians two, verse chapter not First Corinthians two, verses nine through twelve says. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. That's a quote from the Old Testament, right? I've heard people talk about this verse. I just, I, I no eye has seen, no ear has heard up until that time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna qualify this. Up until that time, no eyes, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Right? So you, you, you can kind of read that and say, well, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I I don't know. I have no understanding of what he's prepared for me. That's what the scripture says, right? But did you read the next verse? The next verse says, but... Okay, change of... Remember we talked about buts and therefores and those and ends. He says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Huh. So you mean, I just read something in scripture that changed? I don't want to say change, but it, that is, But he's revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, the things of man, except the Spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the Spirit of God. Now he, we have received, not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Boy... I don't know if that challenged your theology a little bit, but we can know what God wants. We can have a relationship with Him. We can listen to Him through the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be -- I't I don't know. I'm not sure. I've been there. I don't, I don't want to condemn him. But I've been there sometimes where, God, I don't know. I have no idea what you want, right? But here's what I'll tell you. He's always faithful. Right? If you don't know, wait till you know. He said, Go tarry in Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Right? Go wait for the promise. Seek seek God. Because that's what they were doing. They were praising, they were praying, they were in the they were fearful because they didn't understand all of it. But when you don't have an answer, go seek him. And if you don't get one, do what he told you anyways. Amen. See, <laughs> yes. God is revealing his will to us minute by minute by minute. Actually, you could probably break it down to second by second by second. The key to this, the key to all this is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit too. Have that spirit of God inside of you. That's what I said. Be filled with the spirit. You know, there's an there's a Old Testament passage, I think it's in Isaiah, that talks about, um, I think Isaiah had, a, yeah, he had an open vision of the throne room, and God was coming into the throne, and the train of his temple filled the room. Um, and that, when you, when you break this all down, it's, it's a continuous entrance of the train of his robe. It's not just like it followed him in. It's like it just keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. It never stops. It's kind of the same thing about being filled. With, they use it in a lot of conjuncture talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like we can just keep bringing more. We keep bringing more. We keep more. We keep asking God to give us more of the Spirit to reveal to us the things that are in. We have it all. We just have to have an understanding of it. The key is the walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 19. We're going to jump back to our text. Um, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melodies in your heart to the Lord. You know, I, I love that scripture because this is one of my favorite things to do. I love hymns, songs, worship, making melodies in my heart to God. Right? Sometimes it's really kind of what the walking in the Spirit looks like. Sometimes, not all. I'm not gonna say always, but when we we speak to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, um, it really can turn us in a different direction. When we if you're if you're headed into the dark area and that light's not very bright, I'm going to share a testimony about this week. Um, I kind of had a a tough week. Let's just put it that way. Um, I don't want. I don't. It was uh, some stuff going on at work. I really had I Really struggled with some stuff going on at work. Am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Or am I just being stubborn? And I kind of battled this all week long, right? But I can tell you what. You know how to turn that around? Actually, yesterday was really bad. I I struggled all day. Um, And it's not depression. I don't want to get down there. But I just had to deal with some things. And you know what got me out of that funk? Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I just put on some music. And I sat there and I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to worship you. I don't care. What attack is coming at me? I don't care. And I know prayer has a lot to do with it. I shared with Vern some of the stuff that was going on. It has a lot to do with it. But the words that I would to were just right on. It was so beautiful. When I'm stressed, when I'm confused, when I'm angry, when I'm disappointed, that's where I go to. I go to that music psalms, spiritual psalms, the word of God, prayer, people that I can confide in, right? That's really, it's another picture of who's inside of us because we can reach out to others that have the light in them and now they can be the light for us when we need it. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we're talking about God's will and what, what his will looks like and what it is. Um, how do we demonstrate? I, don't want, I hate to say demonstrate. How do we be a light? Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving, you know, giving thanks is a super important. It really is. It, it keeps you in that spirit. You know? you, you, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't understand, Lord, but I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you showed me this. I know you told me this. I don't. I'm not understanding. I don't see it right now, but I know who you are, and I thank you that your promises never void. You you always fulfill that which you've spoken, right in your word, in the the rhema word that you get in your heart, Father. We can go to that place. First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen says, rejoice always. It doesn't say rejoice when you're happy. It doesn't say rejoice when you're having a birthday party for your whatever or your anniversary. (laughs) I know, but it sure turns your day around. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? You want to know what the will of God is? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Right, that's a, a summary of it. It's a, parts of it. It's not the whole thing. Remember, we were talking uh, blanket and specific wills. This is part of the general will of God. Part of His will is to give thanks. In verse twenty-one. It says, "Submitting to one another in the fear of God." You know, submitting to one another. Um, boy. If that word has never been more misused in <laughs> communities and what its understanding is and what it looks like, um, I could spend hours and hours and hours talking about what it does and what it, but we'll just touch a little bit on it. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. When we are filled with the Spirit, it will show by our mutual submission to each other and the submission will be done in the fear of God, not in the fear of man. Right when we when we have the spirit of God inside us, when the light shines in us, you know, when we walk in the light, when we're walking in the spirit, I'm kind of using these all conjuncture because they really kind of mean the same thing. Um, we can show our mutual submission to each other. The word submitting here literally means to be under in rank. Hmm. How do you? how do you submit to each other and be under somebody in a rank? That's an interesting thought. I'm just going to leave you with that for a second. It's a military word. It speaks to the way that an army is organized among levels of rank. You have generals and colonels and majors and captains and sergeants and privates. These are levels of rank, and you are obligated to respect those in higher rank. We know that a person, a private, can be smarter, more talented, and a better person than a general. Has anybody ever worked anywhere where you actually supervise people that know way more than you do? It's humbling. It's humbling. It really is, because as a leader, you want to know what the people that you're supervising, the people that you are leading, the people that are supposed to be submitting to you are doing, right? But I can tell you, it's powerful when you submit to their, their, their calling and their gift and their area of influence, right? But remember that, but that person that has that way more knowledge, that way more understanding, I, I would even go to, to say this, that they might even have a better anointing in that area. That God has called them for this purpose and he has given them that grace to be anointed in that area. And they might be under you, right? Yeah. Wow. But here's the key to that. You're not as submitted to the person as you are the rank. Where has God placed that person in your life? Now I'm, you're, we're using some secular terms, but we also can take this into the spiritual. Where has God got your spiritual covering? Right? Who who, are, who is to submit both ways? It's back and forth, right? Can I use me and Vern for an exam? Can I, can we, can I pick on each of us a little bit? Okay. Because it's easy It's easy to talk about and you guys see it happen. Um, in this idea, Vern is the pastor of the church. He's the senior pastor here. And I submit to him. So okay. I, I, all right. I, if, if I agree with him, I agree with him. If I don't agree with him, we talk about it. And then Vern makes the decision and we move in that direction. That, But I support him. I submit to that decision that you made. right? But here's what Vern does. Vern also recognizes that I have a gifting that he doesn't, right? We're not the same people. And he submits to that. He says, you're an excellent teacher. Teach. <laughs> Use the gift that God has given you, right? That, that's how that submitting to one another works. There is a rank. God has put him as the senior pastor. Absolutely. No doubt. I don't think there's anybody that even question it. <laughs> um, but that's how submitting to one another looks, and it's in love. Yes. Right? Yes. Imagine how big love is. Yeah. Wow. It's in everybody. Because Christ is in us. Yes. <laughs> I love this so this little statement somebody made um, in practical action submitting to one another implies the following all in line with the idea of being a team player right you want to talk about submitting in love a christian must not be thoughtless but think of others a christian must not be individual individualistic i'm sorry I read that a christian must not be indiv- individualistic must not be self assertive. Self assertion is the very antithesis of what the apostle is saying. He says the Christian must never be self seeking. He must have a team attitude. We must be happy when someone else succeeds or does well. We must bear our own discomforts and trials with courage. You know, everything that we talked about today is an exercise of walking in the spirit, it's understanding what it looks like walk in the Spirit, submit to each other in love, right? For this is the will of God in Christ.